Welcome back, Bearcats fans, Cincy fans. I always say Bearcats fans, but it's implied Cincy. It's called Inside the 275 Loop. Welcome back. Sean McMahon, as always, joined by Alex Frank. Thanks for joining us. There's not a whole lot to get to tonight, but there's you a mean, decent There's not amount. a whole lot to get to. It's March Madness. Well, yeah, but I'm talking Cincy-wise, Cincy Cincy-sports-wise. There's not a lot compared to, to normal Normal show. Yeah, but like four it's one, four it's two, four it's three weeks, Sean, until opening day. It's true. It's true. We're getting closer. April 1st. I'm trying to figure out if I'm doing anything that day. Because I might be going over to a friend's house. I might not be. And I don't know. Hey, I got to figure out that on my end it'll as well. A, it'll be a Thursday, so I, I really doubt I'll... I mean, I will have class, but the question is, do I skip it? That should be... Potentially. That should be a... National, it should be a citywide holiday where all high schools, public and private, and all universities close. I wouldn't be against it. In Cincinnati. In, in the 275 loop. Agreed. I agree. Even that little corner of Indiana, if there's a school there. 92.5 The Fox calls it the cool corner of Indiana. Yeah, they do. They do. I listen to them way too much. They play a lot of the same stuff. I mean, literally, I started my car three times in a row, and... Um, the Wall by Pink Floyd came on three times in a row. So the same I, song? The Are you same kidding? exact song. Are you kidding me? Three times today? The, no, 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 no. Not today. Not today. I was going to say. But they, like earlier this week. Every time I turn. Every time. That's funny you say that because every time I turn my car on 92.5 The Fox, I feel like they are always playing Led Zeppelin. Yeah, Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd. Either way, we're getting off topic. But anyway, we're going to get to uh, the last couple of basketball games that uh, we... Have not covered yet. Uh, first off was the Vanderbilt game, and uh, that was not good. Wow, that was—I mean, that was barely even a competition. I mean, Scottie Pippen's kid. I mean, holy cow, <laughs> he led the way. I don't know if he's—I don't know if he's a kid any longer. Oh, not really. No, he kicking our butt. Uh, I mean, he had thirty-six points, thirty-five minutes. That's a—that's almost. Uh, that's more than one basket for every minute that you play. Think yeah. About, think about that. That's crazy. I mean... And look at the efficiency, too. I mean, 10 out of 13 from the field, 11 yeah. out of 12 from the free throw line. Free throw, yeah. And then three-point line, he was murdering with a five out of, with five out of six. I mean, no one, on, no one else on Vanderbilt even, even comes close to this. I mean, you got one guy, you got Jay Wright with 15 points. And uh, another guy with ten points. I'm sorry, I can't. I'm not saying their first uh, names. Sure, I, I got him right here. Jordan Wright had fifteen. You mentioned, and then DJ Harvey had ten. Yeah, I can't see their first names. There, I don't know why. ESPN needs to do a better job at that. Then, yeah, really, that doesn't make any sense. Um, but I mean, Pippen just led the way for the Commodores, and it's. I mean, it's crazy. You, you compare that to Cincinnati. Uh, Keith Williams led the way over there. On the Bearcats side of the ball, he scored 20 points. He shot 6 for 12 from the field, uh, 3 for 4 from the three-point line, and 5 for 7 from the free-throw line. Uh, Mike Adams-Woods trailed him with 16, 6 for 9 from the field goal range, three-point line. He was 1 for 3, and he made all of his free-throws 3 for 3. And then Jeremiah Davenport had 15 points. And then aside from that, I mean... The rest of the everyone else was pretty quiet. I, I mean, Tari Eason had two points. Diara had three. Mason Madsen, good lord, shot nine three pointers and he made one of them. Overall, in terms of shooting, the Bearcats shot forty three percent from the three point line. They were thirty six percent 
which doesn't sound bad, and, and really that's not that's not bad. Free throw percentage was sixty nine percent. Surprisingly, it's not Chris Voke dragging it down this time. Uh, they didn't shoot very many free throws. They they made almost all of them, but you know that, that'll happen when you don't shoot that many free throws. Uh, but Mason Madsen, I mean, one for nine. It's like my God, it man. Drags, you need to it, lay off. That's what drags the three point percentage down. If you well, and it generates turnovers. Well, I mean, it gives if you don't get a rebound. Yeah, I mean, this is not this Bearcats team outside of Tari Easton is not a is not a great offensive rebounding team. It's they not, had five total five offensive rebounds. Yeah, I mean, that's not and unfortunately, and now this was a non league game, but at the same time. If you don't, if you if you're not able to rebound the basketball offensively and create extra possessions and wear down the opposing defense, you know you can say that's a, that's a, that's a bonus if you're able to, as a team, be a good be a great offensive rebounding team. I don't think it's a bonus. I think it's I think it's a necessity. Yeah. And the Bearcats simply did not when they missed those 16 threes. More than half of those coming from Mason Matson. I'm not going to really put too much blame on him. Look, he's a freshman. He's still coming into his own. You and I were just talking about this before we came on. If he hits like two threes in a row, he's going to start jacking up threes like it's nobody's business. I think he, he, like him and really a lot of the team, they have some, they have, they got some happy trigger fingers when it comes to shooting three points. And I think, shots. and maybe that's you know a sign of a young team that's not a sure. mature team. But I mean, I will say this: I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Tari Eason um, fouling out and turning the ball over six times. I mean, he did not have a great game. Let's be honest. Mm-mm. And I think we saw. I think we have seen throughout the season. There's a reason why he was named to the All Freshman Team. I mean, that's that says that he's one of the five best freshmen in this league. If you're voted to the All Freshman Team, that Freshman Team, that means you're you're one of the five best freshmen in this league. Yep. Which he is. But he he needed to be a little bit better than he was on Thursday for this team to win. He needed to be on the floor. He needed to play. As many minutes as he as he did against Tulane when he had twenty and thirteen. That's how this team needed to win on Thursday. Now I will say, I mean, this result just just stunned me because Vanderbilt came in seven and thirteen. They yeah. were without two of their best, two of their three best players. Scottie Pippen Jr. Fun fact was actually a game time decision. Was it was questioned whether or not he was going to play leading up to the game? Was it an injury thing? Um, I don't think I knew about this. I believe it was. I don't remember exactly what injury it was. I think it was a knee or a leg injury, if I remember correctly. But it didn't matter. He scored thirty-six points. <laughs> yeah, and it not um, well. they couldn't stop him. I mean, yeah, and that's like, what happens when you're Scottie Pippen's kid? I guess there's not much. There is not really anything flashy to Vanderbilt. They are just really efficient, and they and if they shoot the three, they have a great chance. Of winning absolutely they they had i mean they did turn the ball over 16 times but i mean when you play six seven eight nine ten eleven guys and nobody had more than four turnovers and the guy who had four turnovers was your leading scorer in scotty pippen jr who's going hard every time yeah i think if you're jerry stackhouse their head coach you can live with that oh yeah no i yeah i agree i mean I mean, you also compare the shooting, right? I mean, Vanderbilt shot more than fifty percent. They shot fifty-one even from the fee- from the field goal range. From the free throw line, they were almost eighty percent. I mean, when you have the numbers that Vanderbilt has, you know they only had, which is really this is interesting. They only had three more offensive rebounds. I guess 
It's probably because of the uh, the efficiency of, 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 with, with which they were making shots. Yeah. You know, you don't need to rebound if you're making your shots. But, I mean, you look at the numbers that they have, and it's hard to beat a team like that, you know, especially if you don't respond with good numbers yourself. And uh, that I know that sounds incredibly, you but know, the no thing duh, is, but, but the thing is, and why this result was so surprising to me, is because Vanderbilt is not that much better than Cincinnati. In fact, I don't even know if they are better to be— No, they just have Scottie Pippen. To be brutally—well, yes, and he had a really sensational night— but Vanderbilt came in. It's they they came into this game at seven and uh, fourteen. Yeah, I think it was fourteen. Seven and fourteen. They were, I believe, three and twelve in the SEC. This was not you know some team that was you know world beaters and you knew who and you knew who they were. No, Vanderbilt is towards the bottom of the SEC. They finished twelfth in the SEC. They just got eliminated today from the SEC tournament in their own city down in Nashville. Yep. Let's but, put it this way: they're a baseball school. Correct. I mean, this was this was a game where you have a Power 5 team coming into your own gym, and you were playing really well. Outside of a 38-point loss to Houston, you had won, what was it, um, six of your last eight games, and nearly pulled off an improbable comeback against Memphis. So you're thinking, okay, there's some confidence here. Let's see what we can do to build off of that. You know, it's, an, it's a bonus home game. And, I mean, the first half, it was competitive, but... Vanderbilt, the difference, the difference in this game was Vander was UC did not score in the last three minutes of the first half, and they scored only two points in the first four minutes of the second half. And that's not going to help your cause either. No, you score five points over an eight-minute stretch against a team like Vanderbilt who can shoot as well as they can. You're not going to win. You're not going to win. Yeah, simply. I mean, another thing to keep in mind is the shortage of of guys. I mean, you know, you look at. You look at Cincinnati. We don't even have. We didn't have David Julius for this game, which we'll get to him in a bit. Um, yeah. But I mean, you look at the lack of players. You really only have three bench players. I mean, yeah, you've you know Rob Banks is listed on there, but the guy played one minute. Like he's not he's not a legit bench player. He's 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 a walk on. You know, you only have eight guys that you're working with, so they're going to get tired. You know, and and that's hard. And you only had seven in the second half because Saunders Jr limped off the court at halftime yeah and there that even adds to the point even further you know you've only got two guys that you can rotate in so you're playing with a really tired starters really tired bench that's hard to do yeah so you know i'm not i'm not i really don't i think like you know like you said you were we were shocked by this but in retrospect hindsight's 2020 in retrospect Maybe. It almost makes a lot of sense maybe we shouldn't have been like i'm going i'm looking at the stats right now micah adams woods played the entire game yeah, and that's that's and, impossible. And let's be honest, like I saw him take a shot to the back. I saw him take a shot to the hip and the groin. I mean, he was. Yeah, how many players do you see playing forty minutes? No, how many times do you see a freshman play thirty three plus? Jeremiah Davenport, a sophomore, playing thirty seven plus. I mean, I mean, how many times have we seen that throughout the last? I don't know, thirty years, with the exceptions of maybe Kenya Martin, Steve Logan. Not really, not many. I mean, you and maybe, also look at Diara. I mean, Diara had twelve minutes, and, and he's a veteran on this team. And you know, Mason Madsen had had more time than him. And well, it's just the um, rotation is just completely like the entire season for UC and really across the country. I mean, it is in absolute. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Disarray. It's in. You know, it it is completely out of whack. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Uh, the final score there, by the way, seventy-eight to sixty-four. We'll go ahead and take a look at the box score for the next game, where the Cincinnati Bearcats traveled to East Carolina, where they took on the Pirates. They pulled out a win there, eighty-two to sixty-nine. 
pulling up the box score now. Um, overall, Alex, it was a pretty close game for most of it. Um, I don't think either, neither of us watched it. It was on ESPN Plus, and I, I believe you were, were you working or something? Or Oh, no, I was, uh, I was in Clemson, South Carolina, enjoying myself. That's right, that's right, that's what it was. Um, either way, uh, we didn't watch the game, but if you go back and look at the highlights, you can see that it was a pretty close game for most of it. And then in the last eight minutes of the game, Cincinnati just went ham, and, and they just went off with, with some of the younger guys. As that seems to be the trend, um... You know, if you look at past games with the young guys playing on the court, they seem to they seem to have a nice chemistry about them. Did Adam Cook seriously have a block in this game? Did he? I mean, that's what the box score's telling me. Yeah, I see that. Um, he got one block. Rob Banks played eight minutes, picked up an assist. Oh, there you go. Diara had two he got points. Two personal fouls as well. <laughs> no. Either way, I mean, overall, a nice diversity in terms of scoring there. Um, four double fit, four double figure scores. Yeah, yeah, four, and that'll. I mean, that's hard to beat too. Um, you had Davenport and you had Madsen tied at nineteen, and, and much improvement from Mason Madsen here. Instead of shooting one for nine, he shot five for nine from the three point line. Overall, six for eleven from the field goal and two for two for his free throws. Uh, meanwhile, Davenport shot seven for fifteen from the field goal range, three for nine from three point range, and then two for two. I mean, free throws were a lot better this time around. It was it was seventy percent. Um, Diara missed one of his only free throw. You know, a couple guys went for fifty percent. But I, I mean, for the first time, it seems like Chris Vogt isn't the one dragging it down. Um, overall, the shooting was well. Bearcats shot forty-seven percent from the field, from the three-point line they were forty percent, and from the free throw line they were seventy percent. And that's ultimately going to lead to a pretty high-scoring. Uh, game for you know whichever team and how about and how about mason madsen pulling down six rebounds and then you think about tari eason pulled down seven and at seven points plus three steals um this was a this was basically your your case of defense turned into offense and the bearcats i mean it was a very close game throughout like you mentioned sean but on the last 9 23 the bearcats outscored the pirates 27 to 16 yeah yeah uh, they just they just pulled away with it. I mean, East Carolina, there was nothing they could really do. Um, in terms of rebounding uh, from the previous game, Cincinnati doubled its offensive rebounding from 5 to 10 offensive rebounds. Defensive rebound, they got 30. Uh, I mean, that's a great improvement. Um, Look at how many players got like 6 or 7 rebounds. Like Davenport at 6, Williams with 7, Eason with 7, Madsen with 6. That's a good all-around effort. Yeah, I mean, this is this wasn't like a huge win by any means. It's East Carolina, you know. It, it's it's nothing to you know brag and boast about, but it's an important win nonetheless going into the uh, conference tournament, which starts well technically tonight. It started earlier today. Started earlier two games today. Have, two games have gone final, which we'll get to in a minute. But it starts uh, tomorrow for the Bearcats. That game is at two o'clock. Uh, no, will... it's actually three. Oh, it's at three. My, well, I mean, unless apologies. you're talking Dallas time. Oh, maybe that's what I was thinking. Well, maybe you uh, were. Well, either way, Texas. tomorrow, uh, Cincinnati takes on SMU. That'll be a tough game. I don't underestimate SMU. I mean, no. they, they are a hard-to-play team. Um, don't count them out. You know, this this is gonna this is not gonna be an easy easy fight. Um, I mean, it's gonna help that one key guy is coming back. That's right, David DeJulius is coming back for the conference tournament this weekend, which is huge. And and you've got to wonder, you know. 
what made him decide to come back? Does he does is he actually feeling okay? Does he you know you got to wonder what his motivation is? I, well, I think he genuinely cares about this team, and I think he actually showed that when after the loss to Xavier. Remember, he was actually he was crying after the game. He was yeah. really upset. And we knew he knew how much that game meant to this program. Yeah, and I think it's been talked about that he's evolved as the emotional leader of this team. I mean, I told you, Mark Adams. In the first game back from COVID, the 25-day layoff because of COVID-19 issues, that he said David DeJulius is this team's is Simba. And if that doesn't tell you how important he is to this team, I don't know what will. He had 26 points in that game, by the way. So I think when I think about David DeJulius um, coming back, I just feel like that's, that's going to give this team that emotional leader, you know. Because let's face it, you're going to have stretches in this conference tournament where you're going to need someone to step up and you're going to need someone to lead. And that's what David DeJulius is. And I, he's not a senior. He's only a junior. You would think Keith Williams would be that team, this team's emotional leader. But Williams has never been that kind of guy. Williams is kind of like, you know, I'm thinking back to last year, Sean Jaron Cumberland was this team's best player. And you look to him for leadership or you look to him to get that big bucket that you needed. But Jaron Cumberland was just this quiet guy that just went about his business. He wasn't this emotional leader. That's who Trey Scott was. Trey Scott was that guy. Yeah, exactly. and now you have a guy in David DeJulius on a on a completely different team. This team, they don't have that big man inside, that you know enforcer that can you know play dirty, that can play you know tough, and you know go toe to toe with these athletic bigs like Memphis has and Houston has, and let's face it, Wichita State even too. But what we need is that emotional leader that, you know, David DeJulius, if he can be that guy that can hit three-point shots, if he can be that guy that, you know, can hit somebody that's wide open, hit Mason Madsen for a critical three, you know, just be that leader, create a steal, you know, create turnovers on the defensive end. That's who David DeJulius is and needs to be. Yeah, and, agreed. And I think, I think he's done a great job of doing that, you know. It may not always be through his performance every game. You know, it, like you said, he's more of an emotional leader. I mean, he does great on the court, don't get me wrong. He, he almost never has, he, he rarely has a bad game, rarely. And even when he does, you know, he, you know that he's trying to motivate the other guys, which is, which is key. If you don't have that motivator, you might as well just not even have a team. Yeah, and think about this, okay? So David the Julius opts out two weeks ago. Which is weird. I, that feels like so much longer. I believe it was on this day, two weeks ago. So, so exactly two weeks ago today. So he opts out, you know, due to mental health reasons, and you know he needed some time to get right, and that was widely talked about. We all do, don't but, we? Well, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, mental health, mental health is, is a serious epidemic. Um, I I think he. Obviously, he thinks he's well enough to be able to help this team win in the conference tournament. And this is the conference tournament. I think he's well. if he's well enough to come back, he must be doing okay. Sure. And he understands, okay, I come back for three days, three games in three days, and however long, if they end up miraculously making the NCAA tournament, you know, then he's got, you know, a whole offseason to recover and get right mentally. But I think he senses something. And maybe this is the one... You know, what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe this is the one um, critical component the Bearcats need that can propel them on a run through this AAC tournament. Because let, let's be honest, you think it's going to be a tough game tomorrow? I, I mean, I, I think it could. I mean, I games. Think, hey, look, it's March and it's SMU. I yeah. I mean, 
We barely beat them on the road. The last and they year. beat them at home. We beat the sorry. They beat us at home. So we've when barely. Was what was this? What do you mean? We beat them on the road. Yeah. Didn't they beat us at home? We didn't play them. Oh. Here. Really? We oh. were supposed to, and then that game got canceled because oh, they were battling game. COVID. Um, really, I'm thinking of another game. Well, it's funny because the last two conference tournaments that actually happened, we played them in 2018 and 2019, and both those games, despite the Bearcats being significantly better on paper, were very, very close. Welcome to the Cincinnati sports realm. Well, you should dominate your opponents because you're better, but you just don't. Or welcome to March. Well, yeah, but I'm talking Cincinnati sports in general. It's funny. I was looking back, and obviously a lot of those who have followed Bearcats basketball closely the last 30 years know this. You go back and you look at some of the teams that Cincinnati lost to in the tournament over the last 30 years. 96, they were a two-seed. Lose to a five-seed Mississippi State. Well, okay, but a five-seed, I mean, you know, it's not like it was like a 12-seed yeah. like like or something. But think about the, the players you had on that team. Sure, yeah. Okay, yeah. 97, you are a two-seed, I believe, and you lose to Iowa State. 98, you're a two-seed. Lose to West Virginia, who was a 10. 99, you lose to Temple as a two-seed. I believe they were a 10. 2000, you're a two. You lose to a seven-seed. 2002, you're a one-seed. Oh, also, all those four years during Kenyon Martin's ten years you mentioned were uh, second-round exits. Yeah, I mean, that that's ugh, just bad memories. 2002, you lose as a one-seed to an eight-seed in UCLA in double overtime. Now, given it is Nevada, UCLA. Nevada as well. well. You had to bring that one up, didn't you? Well, yeah, because you said over the last 30 years. Yes. Harvard in 2014. Harvard game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and even the last tournament we I were mean, in. I mean, if he just if he had let go of that ball even just a split second earlier. Who? Wasn't that the game, the buzzer beater game where they had to go back and review? That was St. Joseph's, and we were the That's ninth seed. They were of. the eighth seed. Octavius Ellis. Of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, and that UC team, I don't know if they were expected to win that game against St. Joseph's. No, be... but they could have. They could have. They they literally had a, a last-ditch effort. Yeah, I mean, he, if he had just dropped it in the bucket instead of trying to dunk it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's... They would have... If they if that game would have gone to overtime, and they could have played... They would have played potentially Oregon in the uh, second round, which would have been... That would have been interesting if we would have played Oregon. Yeah, probably, yeah. Wasn't really much of a Bearcats fan back then. That team had that Oregon team had like guys like Dylan Brooks, Chris Boucher, uh, Payton. No, Payton Pritchard was not on that team. Uh, Tyler Dorsey. That's amazing that you remember these guys. Well, because North Carolina played them in the Final Four in twenty seventeen, and I grew up a Tar Heels fan, so a lot of those Oregon players came back the next year. Boucher didn't even play on that team that went to the Final Four. He got hurt before the Pac twelve tournament, hmm. and they still went to the Final Four. I mean, that Oregon team was pretty darn good. Yeah. I mean, realistically, what do you what do you think about the conference tournament for this weekend? I, let's say we beat SMU tomorrow. How far do you think we make it? Because who would we potentially play after? So the final so the final score so far from the from today, USF beat Temple seventy three seventy one. So the Bulls now play Wichita State. If UC wins tomorrow against SMU, they play the winner of the USF Wichita State game. Okay, so um, likely, likely, but not. Can't roll it out because it's much. You can roll Likely, it. yes. it's Wichita State. Okay, and now assuming you play Wichita State, which will be the first time you play them in two months. And they're the one seed. Yes, but, excuse me, they are, and they we don't know the we don't know who it is, excuse me, yet, but they're without two players who are out with COVID. Oh. We don't know if they're walk-ons. We don't know if they're, if it's Tyson Etienne, who was co-player of the year in the American or or if it's Morris Udeze, we don't know who it is. 
That's interesting. Okay. And maybe, I mean, Wichita State, I mean, I haven't really watched them a whole lot this year. You they're, know, I mean, they're you, the one seed. That's you, all you, you do never know. know. Okay, realistically, though, I mean, tomorrow's game is not going to be easy. SMU's a very, very damn good team. Kendrick Davis, um, who was named to the all-conference first team, You, I mean, you look at, he ranks in the top 10 in so many categories. Sean, do you realize in 115 or in 15 games this season, he had 114 total assists? Oof. That's an average of just under seven a game. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. I mean, my goodness. If you, if you play a full season and you're averaging seven assists per game and you play, what, what let's say 30 games, you have over 200 assists. Yeah, that's insane. It, it's unbelievable. Um, and you have Kendrick Davis, Ferran Hunt, their big man. Um, and they have some other capable three-point shooters. And rebounder, so it's not going to be an easy game. These two teams don't know each other so well. I think it could be a really close game, but honestly, Sean, I'm feeling really confident about this about this game, and kind of kind of confident that there there could be a run this weekend. Well, okay, so in that case, do we want to do a score prediction right now? I yeah, we we can. I, I yeah, why not? We're already on the topic. I will say the Bearcats win this game, seventy-one to sixty-nine. Okay. I also am thinking it's going to be a two-point differential, if not one point. Uh, I think the Bearcats barely, barely win. I'm going to say 74 to 73. Yeah, it's not going to be. I mean, this this is not a game where you're. I, ju- I think it's going to be high scoring. I think it's going to be close. It's funny. The last time these two teams played in the conference tournament, it was a high scoring game. It was 82 74. Yeah. And I was I was actually there with Ethan and Caitlin when Bearcast went to commentate that guy feels like a lifetime ago. Yeah. So um, that's real. That's really all we got on basketball for tonight. We'll move over to uh, UC foot. Uh, excuse me, UC baseball rather. There's not really anything going on in football. So um, since we last uh, had a chat, the Bearcats improved to three and seven, which doesn't sound like much. I know. But you got to remember, we pointed this out on the last show. They started out one and nine the year they won the conference tournament, and then went on to beat the reigning national champion, Oregon State Beavers in Corvallis, mind you. So it doesn't mean anything. I mean, you could say it does. It you know lower seating, whatever. But of course, it means something. It, well, it does mean something, but it might. It, that was know. their first. That was their first NCAA tournament game in forty-five years. No, I'm talking about. I'm talking about the one and nine record. Oh, I'm talking about their. I'm oh talking no, record no, wise, records don't matter. And I mean, look at the look at some of the scores of their games. I mean, they're not getting blown out. Cle- I mean, like even in Clemson, they were relatively close games. Uh, not the five to zero game. Clemson's a good team. Clemson's a great team, and they barely lost after ten innings, eight to seven. Uh, Western Most- Kentucky, they went. They actually went uh, one and two against them. It's it's funny because you look at this. They played twelve innings, lost five to four. They lost five to four the next day in nine innings, and then it, it was a doubleheader. Actually, it was so the double, same day. So doubleheader last Saturday. Yeah, and they won eleven to three. How do you turn that around like that? That's, Sometimes losing can take such a toll on you that you just empty the bucket. I suppose. And then they traveled to UNC Wilmington, where they actually went two and two, which is interesting. I don't know how good UNC Wilmington is at baseball. They're probably one of those small small time teams that's actually really good at baseball. Um, but Coastal, Coastal Carolina won the World Series recently. Yeah, they, they did four years ago, as a matter of fact. Um, but they did beat UNC Wilmington twice. Uh, but in the games where they did lose, pretty close. I mean, one game was nine to eight; the other was fourteen to ten. Um, Wacko. But they will 
actually take on, they will stay home and they will take on Western Michigan. Uh, these will be the next three games starting tomorrow at 4 p.m. Uh, they will take on the Western Michigan Broncos. Uh, and then they play Saturday and they also play Sunday. And these games are all being broadcasted on ESPN+. Plus. And then two games home against Xavier and then two games away at Xavier. And then I could go on the whole list, but I'm not going to do that. Um, well, we'll be here throughout the season. Yeah. Update on... The American Conference Championship starts May 25th, so they've got time, you know. I mean, even if they have a terrible record, it's not necessarily indicative of anything, but they have lost a lot of, uh, you know, key players from that from that 2019 team, um, particularly Joey Weimer. Um, you know, I mean, they were supposed, to, thought, be, they were supposed to be really good last year. So this is how little I've kept up with No, this. Joey Weimer's with uh, the Milwaukee Brewers, like the their AAA team or something. He looks like someone that can play for the Brewers. He's a good, yeah. He seems like a good kid. AJ Bumpus is in the red system. Last time I checked. Yeah, I mean, from from the from, you know, think about who we were supposed to have last year's team. I mean, everyone was excited for Bearcats baseball. Like people who weren't Bearcats baseball fans or didn't really pay attention to them, I should say, like me for example. I was excited for baseball season to get started up, and then it got canceled. I don't know if they did. They even play any games before it got. Canceled? Oh yeah, they played like ten or twelve because they usually start in. Um, oh, I guess that's a good point because you look at where we are in the season now. Yeah, I mean they they played some home games too, and I was excited to commentate them and and they maybe make another back to back run or not another back to back run, but maybe. well they still can. I mean because they technically are still the, are the conference champions, yeah. Which is really weird. We're only conference champions in all three major sports. How many schools around the country can say that? Not many. I, I mean know. Alabama's close, but. Not them. How good is Alabama in baseball? I mean, their basketball. I mean, team. it is the SEC. I mean, their SEC ba- baseball is no joke. Oh no! I mean, their basketball team. Heck, I mean, they're the number one seed in the SEC tournament. Yeah. Well, okay. I should. We should clarify. They're not conference champions. They are regular season champions. So, you know, are they technically conference champions? Or are they not? Wait, like, who is Alabama? Alabama. They haven't won the SEC regular season. Right. Yeah. Okay. That, yes. So basketball, you know, basketball just has two separate, right, right. Um, titles, right. And it's like a question of which one's more important. I would argue the tournament. Me personally, I'm gonna argue it's the tournament. So you would argue that the tournament championship in the American for men's basketball means more than the regular season. Yeah, I would actually say both. And I can see why because the American is it's excuse me it's such a middle. It's like it's a conference that like it's not one of the small conferences like the Northeast or the CAA or, you know, those conferences. Whatever that are, the heck the UMBC plays in. The America East. Oh, there you go. They're, they're not one-bid leagues. But the American, it, it, it's, it's big enough where, because think about this. The ACC and the Power of Five conferences, the regular season title matters more because, I mean, you have so many good teams that even if you don't win the regular season, you're still going to get an at-large bid more than right, likely. Right, I would agree with but that. But a regular season, like if you outlast 14 other teams in the regular season, that's a significant accomplishment. It's like the Big 12. I mean, the Big 12 is, is incredibly diverse oh, in terms God. of talent. I mean, There's think so it, many good teams. Like, the regular season title, that matters more in that in that conference. If you win if you win the tournament title, I mean, that's, that's a exactly. big break, too. But the American, it's, it's a good enough conference where if you win a regular season title, it's significant, but also the tournament title has so much meaning to it right. that both matter. And I asked that question to Mick Cronin, actually, oh. at, his, at his radio show after the conference tournament two years ago. And he said that both matter. 
Yeah, I think. I mean, I think if I think if he were to say that you know only one matters, yeah, like, he'd probably get a little bit of criticism for that comment. You know, because to say, oh well, I only care about the tournament, or oh well, I only care about the regular season. It's like, well, then that sounds like your attitude towards the other is not exactly, you know, like doesn't seem like you care very much, right? If we would so of course he's going to say both this, matter. If this would have been the Big East. I think we would have said the regular season matters oh, more. Oh, sure. absolutely. Because yeah. the Big East was a dominant basketball conference. Because when you're in a conference where so many teams get a large base, if, if historically you're a good team, you're probably going to get that large bid. Oh, yeah, definitely. If yeah. you don't win. I mean, think about Virginia. No. Um, like, winning winning in the Big 12, the conference tournament in the Big 12 right now, is more like a badge of honor than anything. Yeah, I'm trying to think, Sean, of who's who did not win a regular season or conference tournament title and won the NCAA. Uh, you know, I couldn't tell you. I, really... Virgi- I, I, I was going to say Virginia, but they won a share of the, of the regular season with North Carolina the year they won the national championship. What about uh, UConn? You, in Fortin, they didn't, they didn't win either. Okay, there's, there's a good example. UConn didn't win any championships in the regular season, but they won the national championship. And they beat uh, Kentucky along the way. Yeah, they did. Um, I, did Duke win the ACC in 2010? Because they didn't... No, they also won the regular season, so that doesn't count. Um, and you get the point, I think. Um, right. That you don't, you don't have to win the regular season or conference tournament to win the NCAA. Right. I think... <laughs> How did we get on this? I think we were just talking about conference title in yeah. baseball because that matters. The conference, the tournament title in baseball matters. I would argue far more because if you win it, you get an automatic bid into, into and the, the Americans. World not Series. the Americans. Not one of those conferences that's going to get a lot of teams in. No, it's not like the SEC or, or the Big Twelve, which are I would say are the two best baseball conferences. Eh, you think the Big Twelve is one of the best conferences? Eh. I really don't know. I don't. I don't pay attention to college baseball go, that much. Go SEC. The ACC has really good teams. The ACC does too. Um, Pac twelve, UCLA, Oregon State, Big Ten, not really. Arizona, no. Not a baseball conference at all. I mean, it is a northern. It's a hockey conference. Yeah, it is a hot. Well, yeah. It's a, you know, you know how I know that because they had they had they had Big Ten hockey on at this bar in Clemson. I was at last weekend. Oh, Michigan! Michigan did just beat Minnesota, actually. In hockey. That's significant. I can't remember exactly what it meant for them to win. I think they either got a higher seating in, in, or something, or I, I can't remember. In football, they would have won the, uh, oh, what's that trophy called? It's the jug. The, the little, brown, little jug. brown jug. Yes. Yeah. So many rivalries. Yeah. And they just added that one with Northwestern as well. Whatever that was. In football? Remember. Yeah. Michigan Northwestern? Yeah. You didn't hear about that? No. They added a, they added a rivalry there. It's named after... Uh, uh, I think it was a black player. Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember his connection. I think he has a connection to both both teams or something. That's one thing. I that's one thing I am looking forward to next year returning is the football rivalries. Yeah, yeah. It's really funny. I, I was thinking about this earlier. College football is the only sport in college that I can think of that doesn't have like a po- a tournament postseason. When you think about it, basketball does, hockey does, baseball does. I think women's volleyball women's, does. I was going to say women's volleyball. I think that's because college football is not run by the NCAA. No, no, it's. I mean, again, it's it, it's really it's really a bit of a head shaker when you think about it. It's like, yes. Why is it so different? And continuing the conversation that we had last week, that's why you need a twenty fourteen playoff. Yeah. Or just a bigger one in general. Exactly. I, just in general, you need a bigger one. I was so against the eighteen playoff. 
I mean, I, I, for a long time, I, I loved the playoff committee. And, you know, in re- after a couple of years, I was like, okay, actually, but you're seeing really dumb. Yeah, like, because you're seeing that not a lot of teams have a chance to get in. Like, you yeah. know... You know three, you know three or three or four teams going in, right? Like, I mean, who do you think is going to make the playoff next year? Alabama's probably going to get in. Clemson, Clemson will get Ohio in. Ohio State, maybe Ohio State, maybe Oklahoma. Yeah, I really those Notre teams. Dame maybe. Oh God, I hope not. <laughs> They're just going to get destroyed again. Exactly. I don't want Notre Dame. Like that's the thing is it's it's repetitive. You know, you know, you pretty much know who's going to be in it. Uh, I but I think the reason, I, well, I don't think. The reason that we were so excited for the playoff was because it was different from the BCS systems. You you know, it wasn't a BCS computer. It was a committee determining who the best teams are, and it's four teams competing for a national title as opposed to just two. And it, the, was, it, it was different, and, and the, it, it was a nice welcome change, but it needs to change again. And the first few years, it, it made the regular season enjoyable. Right. Like, how many times did you... Did, would, would you look at the schedule and you, and you saw, like, a Saturday night game, like the Louisville-Clemson game in 2016? That was a monstrous game. Mm-hmm. It was early. It was the first Saturday of October, and the winner of that game had the inside track, and the loser was fighting for their lives the rest of the season. Yeah. And there's ketchup on my uh, cap. I thought it was blood for a minute. I thought it was, too. Well, I um, spilled ketchup earlier. Either way, I mean, it, I, I didn't even realize that until I think it was just earlier this week. I was like, wait a minute. College football is the only, like, ins- like college sport that i can think of off the top of my head that doesn't have some kind of tournament now you might point to like freaking bowling or something i don't know i'm not counting that again it's not run by the ncaa yeah yeah and it's really funny that when you think about it like that and it's like you know shouldn't 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 they all be the same shouldn't it be universal across the board it doesn't make well that's a discussion for a whole another day because even college football despite not i mean i mean the conferences let's be honest you know, I've always said the conferences should govern themselves. Well, they do, but it's every conference for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and that's, that's why, like, you know, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 said originally, "No, we're not going to play this year." But the ACC, the SEC, and the Big Twelve is like, "No, we're playing." Yeah. And again, there's Big Ten and the Pac-12 try to be trendsetters. There's no universal government within college football. No. No. And do you do we necessarily want one? I think I think we. I think in times we, like this, you it might be beneficial to have one. Yeah, I think it. Yeah, I think it would be. I think it would probably provide more benefits than it would detriments. But I would have to look more into that. That's the thing with college sports, because you look at the, I mean, the Big Twelve can't compete with the SEC. Let's be honest. The Pac Twelve can't compete with anybody. Exactly. Well, maybe the ACC. Not the top of the ACC, but... You mean Clemson? Yes. Because th- th- they are the top of the ACC, and then it's... Yeah, like, could you imagine, like... Uh, could you imagine, like, Washington State taking on, like, Virginia Tech? Like, that'd be a boring game. I wouldn't watch that. I would actually pay money to watch that game. You would pay money? That would be interesting to me. That would not be interesting. I think Virginia Tech would win. I'd pick Virginia... I'd pick Vaught Tech every day for Because the Pac-12 game. doesn't know physicality and defense... No, they're a, yeah. It's to like say, the it's like it's like the Big Twelve. The Big Twelve is a much more offensive minded. Name the last great defensive player to come out of the Big Twelve. I think I can. And Dominican Sue. Fun fact: Nebraska is now in the Big Ten. Yeah, there's only three teams in the Big Ten that haven't won a, a conference title. Just saw that earlier today. Uh, let me guess who the three teams are. They should be obvious. Uh, Northwestern. No, they've nope. won one. Uh, Maryland. Yep. Rutgers. Yep. And. 
team you just mentioned. Northwestern. No. Nebraska. Nebraska. Because they just joined. So it kind of makes okay, sense. Okay, that does make sense. Wait, so Illinois won it? Illinois apparently won one, yeah. I mean, Illinois football used to be good, don't forget. They used to be a powerhouse football program. And then over the last, Well, you like, know what? Over the last, like, 12 years, they've just been... 2007, they went to the Rose Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're right. And they got trounced by the Trojans. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when you play USC. Those USC teams. Those USC teams, yeah. Mid-2000s okay. USC What we got team. in... Uh, well, actually, let's go over to the Reds really quickly. Uh, you go ahead and update the people. I don't so know. the Reds are 2-7 and seven right now in spring training. Yesterday, Michael Lorenzen uh, made a start for the Reds. He got roughed up, only went two and one-third innings. I don't have the... Exactly. Apparently the Reds have the best seventh, the seventh best rotation in baseball. I can believe that. I mean, you think about you think about the rotation. Uh, T.J. Antone, by the way, has had one hell of a spring training. Every time he goes out to the mound, he pitches scoreless innings and he throws gas. But the problem is Michael Lorenzen, who the Reds are trying to convert to as a starter for this season, he pitched on uh, yesterday in the Reds' nine to three loss to the Royals. Took the loss. Lorenzen went two and a third, gave up four hits, three earned runs. Did not walk a batter and did strike out three, but he also, again, gave up three runs. Uh, since we last talked to you, the Reds have played. Uh, they lost to the Royals last Thursday, 5-3. to three, Lost to the Diamondbacks, 5-3 to three on Friday. Lost to the Giants, 9-4. to four. Did pick up a win against the Rockies on Monday uh, out in Scottsdale, 6-4. to four. Starting for the Reds that day was TJ Anton, like I mentioned. Three innings pitched, two hits, no runs given up, Sean. Three strikeouts. Another solid start for Anton. Jeff Hoffman also pitched well. Former uh, first-round draft pick of Toronto. He went three innings, uh, gave up three hits, and struck out four. Uh, since that game on Monday, the Reds lost to the Dodgers 5-3. to Sonny Gray was supposed to start on Tuesday. I don't know why the lineup that MLB.com sent me had him as the starting pitcher. The Reds ended up starting Vladimir Gutierrez. He pitched well, two shutout innings with four strikeouts and only one walk, but... It's interesting to me that Sonny Gray did not start. I don't know. Sonny, Sonny Gray has made one start. That was last Thursday. I know you, you are really high on Sonny Gray. I love Sonny Gray. Yeah, I, he, he's, he's the most consistent pitcher on the staff. I, I either want a jersey of his or I want a t-shirt. I, I just, I like him a lot. I really do. And I hope he stays here for at least a few more seasons. He's got a good name, too. Yeah, he does. Uh, two innings of, of work for Sonny Gray last Thursday against the Royals. Uh, one hit, an earned run, and a strikeout for... Uh, maybe a potential Cy Young candidate for this year. The Reds losing to the Royals yesterday, nine to three. At the time this was being recorded, the Reds um, are about 25 minutes out from first pitch against the White Sox from Goodyear, Arizona. Tyler Malley gets the start tonight. First start for him this spring. Game can be heard on 700 WLW. Tommy Thrall and the Cowboy Jeff Brantley have the call. You know what we should do? I was thinking about this last night. So normally we record on Wednesdays. But should we do a show either before opening day or after the opening day game? Ooh. I'm going to say after, personally. Should. I vote after. We should. Okay. So the Reds play the Cardinals on opening day. Now, the Reds have not yet named their opening day starter. Interesting. I really hope it's Sonny Gray. But would you be upset if it was, if it was Luis Castillo? I think it should be Sonny Gray, too. I wouldn't. I, mm, I think I think Sonny Gray would have every right to feel disrespected, and I'd be a little bit upset, but I wouldn't be like butthurt over it. Considering that he also showed a little disrespect to the trade rumors that were going around him throughout the offseason, I think David Bell kind of owes it to him, Agreed. Sonny Gray, to be the opening day starter. Then you put Castillo as your number two. 
I mean, Luis Castillo, you have to remember, he is still one of the best pitchers in the National League. Right. The problem that the problem that you have with him, and I've seen it, is he'll have like three or four really good starts and then just one really bad start that makes you want to rub your eyes. Yeah. He's just not I don't know, he's just he's yeah, that's a really good way to put it. It's it's not it's inconsistent. Um, which it's hard to be consistent. I'm not saying it's easy. But you know, when he does have that one bad game, it's a bad game. And it's it's really just, I don't know, you don't see that with Sonny Gray. But um, Other news in the Cincinnati sports landscape, the Bengals, as I will explain to the people listening to this, the Bengals did not use the franchise tag prior to the deadline of the franchise tag in the NFL on Tuesday at 4 o'clock. That means Carl Lawson, their defensive end, and William Jackson, their corner, are technically now unrestricted free agents. Now, the Bengals can re-sign one, maybe both. I think they will only re-sign one, as, as I think logic would tell you, to a long-term deal. But the downside of not using the franchise tag is, you know, you are in danger of losing technically both players, which would be a crying shame. Now, losing William Jackson, believe me, that's not the end of the world. Because despite what the ratings from Pro Football Focus suggest, he's not a good cornerback. Don't let the ratings fool you. I've seen him play against some of the elite receivers in this league. He can't keep up with them. Carl Lawson is the most important player to keep and sign to a long-term deal because in the AFC North, your offensive lines are so good, except on the Bengals. Of course. But maybe they'll get better. Yeah, maybe if you sign Joe Thune and... Uh, and Joe Tooney. You don't even need to draft Panay Sewell. I, I agree with that, frankly. I think if you can also... Yeah, I Well, get. you know the guy I want us to draft. Yeah, you want Jamar Chase. I do want Jamar Chase. I, I, now, I, now it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense to me. It, it, of course it makes a lot of sense, because Panay Sewell hasn't played... And this is this. I mean, well, I've heard his film's not as good as the guy from Northwest, yeah. as from Northwestern. And even he hasn't played in two years. Yeah. Okay. So if you so the, the Carl Lawson, like you need you need pass rushers to compete with off- the offensive lines in this division and the quarterbacks. Exactly. I mean, the quarterbacks in this division are unbelievable. We had this conversation last week. It's a great division for quarterbacks. It, absolutely, it is. Even though I hate Big Ben. So do I. He's the fourth best quarterback, but Lamar, Baker, and Joe Burrow. I mean, those two guys, I mean, those three guys are, you know, star, I mean, stars, maybe maybe superstars. And, I mean, Joe Burrow, I mean, he's got oozing potential, as we saw last year. Mm-hmm. So you need to find a way to get after the opposing quarterbacks to get your defense off the field and give your high-powered offense, you know, more possessions. Um. What was the, the other term? Okay, and like you think about, you think about the premier defensive players in this division: Miles Garrett, T.J. Watt, Calais Campbell, Bud Dupree. Those are all pass rushers. When you think of the premier defensive players in this division, you're not going to name a cornerback first, right? No. no, you're not. So therefore, you don't need them as much as you need your defensive ends. You need to get after the quarterback to get them. Yeah, off. But then they can change their offensive schemes. So you do need you do need good corners. I mean, you need good all round. You you do need good. I mean, now yes, you are right. The Browns have Denzel Ward. The Ravens have Marcus Peters. The Steelers have um, they have their really good safety Minka, Fitz, Minka Fitzpatrick. But what I'm saying to you is, I would much rather spend my money on a pass rusher than a corner. And I think I can agree with that. This Absolutely. division, this division, outside of maybe the Ravens and the Browns, you're not going to get beat over the top. Right. I, and also, I mean, you think about the way that a defensive end affects the game versus the way that a corner affects the game. You know, how many targets is he going to get versus how many times can a defensive end rush the quarterback? 
throw him off his edge, sack him even, yeah. you know, whatever. Because where most of the action on a foot, on a play takes place is the line of scrimmage. Yep. I mean, the corner is a... Res- I mean, the cornerback, his job is a largely dependent on what happens to the line of scrimmage. It's really true. If he even has to do his job. Well, he does, but, like, if he has to, like, actually, you know, break up a pass or deflect it or intercept it, whatever it may be. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But, um... Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the Bengals do in this offseason. Free agency negotiations uh, next Monday through Wednesday. I think if they, I think if they get, uh, you know, more offensive linemen and they and they do actually help Joe Burrow, I'll feel confident about next season in the in the sense that I think they'll do better. I think they'll win more than two games, um, or was it three? They well, they, they, no, they won four. They won four. Okay, Someone so. Mo Egger brought up this. Point. I think they'll win more than four, but I don't think they're going to go to the postseason. I don't. I think that is a little too optimistic to think that they'll go to the postseason. Now, can they finish five hundred? Maybe potentially. But yes, but you have to understand they have a really, really good quarterback. No, I. I you kidding me? How can I not understand that? I watched the. Dude. But what I'm saying to you is, like, think about the 49ers went from four and twelve to thirteen and three. Now they obviously have a much better coaching staff and organization than the Bengals do. Yep. But I'm just saying, you know, in and the history end of, for that matter. Shut up. And in the NFL, um, in the NFL, and this is widely talked about, you're never more than one year away from being really good. Oh, no, it really it really only takes just one good year of, well, sometimes one good year of drafting. You know, it maybe takes a couple of years, maybe a few, but it really can be one if you do everything right, which is hard, easier said than done. I mean, who's, I mean, what's an example of a team that went from, uh, I mean, look at Tampa Bay. Yeah, Tampa Bay is a great example. <laughs> Prime example. Now, that's largely because they went out and got Tom Brady. Yeah, they kind of have the greatest player of all time. And now he's restructuring his contract. Yeah. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of winning in Tampa. Yeah. I think I think Topps Brady has five more years. He'll probably win three more Super Bowls. And then probably. A ring for every finger. My God. Probably. Anyway. It scares me. Um Last thing we're really going to get to is, is Division One boys' uh, high school basketball. Uh, last night there were six games. Medina took on North Canton Hoover. Medina won 54-43. Uh, Mentor took on Massillon Jackson. I, man, I've never heard of a couple of these teams. Um, Mentor won 60-53, so they will take on Medina in the second region uh, in the regional final. Uh Muller beats St. X 72-69 in overtime. So St. X put up a really good fight against a really good Muller team. The GCL is stacked this year, minus LaSalle, um, in basketball. Uh, so Muller advances where they will take on Centerville, who unfortunately defeated my elder Panthers, uh, 52-43. And according to Daily, Dayton Daily News, rather, uh, Centerville went on a 13-0 run and... Pulled away 52 to 43. And apparently, the last big shot Elder made was a three pointer uh, for a 10 point lead with two minutes and 16 seconds left to go in the third quarter. And there's an example of why you can't let a team just go on a 13 0 run. You, know, you can't have that at, at any level because it's, it's not going to spell a good ending, and it didn't for Elder, unfortunately. So, um, Centerville will take on Muller. That game is. To, is Sunday, no, sorry, Saturday at 7.30. Uh, Lakewood St. Edwards took on St. Ignatius, two football schools, um, but two also very good basketball schools. 
both from Cleveland. Uh, St. Ignatius pulled out the win of 55-54. to 54. Um, Lima Sr. took on St. John's, and Lima will take on St. Ignatius on Saturday for the regional final. And then tonight, actually, there are a couple of games. Gahana Lincoln will take on Powell Olentangy Liberty. Got a mouthful. Uh, that game is tonight. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That happened at 5.30 today, as a matter of fact. So I can't see the winner of that game right now, but... I think if I had to pick, I'm gonna. I think Gahana Lincoln wins that game. If I had to, if I had to wager a bet, uh, and then Westerville Central took on Hilliard Bradley. That game is tonight. That is in ten minutes. Actually, it's at eight o'clock. So I think winning the state championship it's gonna be tough, but give me Moeller. I think Moeller wins it. It's tough every year. Moeller. I mean, every year they have the size and the talent. They play defense. Talent. Um, by the way, so you mentioned. Um, there was a close game between Moeller and whoever they played. St. X. St. X. So you and I were watching um, the Oklahoma State-West Virginia game earlier this earlier today. Which, by the way, you want to know how stacked the Big 12 is, like the GCL stacked. Oklahoma State was ranked number 12. West Virginia was ranked number 10. And this was a quarterfinal game in the Big 12 tournament. Just think about that for a minute, Okay. So Oklahoma State's up three, and West Virginia has the ball. And notice how the Sooners did not foul. I'm sorry, the Cowboys did not foul. Yep. And Smart. So Smart many. Basketball. I have said over and over again. If if I was a head coach, I'm saying don't foul up three because at any, at any circumstances. In any circumstance. Let them shoot. Exactly. Let like shoot. let me. I don't know if you remember. Well, the, no, not don't play defense, but. Not don't not play. Play defense. defense. Just don't foul the shooter. Just don't foul him. Don't foul the Fine shooter. Out loud. Don't foul the shooter. Okay. Don't, don't give them easy shots. Ask VCU about that. Cost them a tournament game. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so I bring that up because and I've said I've said this over and over again. I don't know if you remember last year, the first Duke North Carolina game, the Tar Heels are up three, 84-81, and they foul Duke. So they send Trey Jones of Duke to the free throw line. He misses the first. Oh, I'm sorry, he makes the first. He misses the second intentionally, gets his own rebound, and hits a game-tying jumper. Wasn't it, a game winner? It was not a game winner. That was, okay. the, that was in regulation. Overtime, they did hit a game winner at the buzzer. It was off of Jones' miss, and Wendell Moore had a putback. Okay. So, But what I'm saying to you is, I'm telling like North Carolina does, does foul, and it costs them. Right. If they hadn't fouled, and let's say Duke still made the shot to tie the game. Then you say, okay, so be it, he made the shot. Right. But you but you have to think, okay, if you foul, yes, they can't shoot a three, but they can intentionally miss a free throw. And what if Trey Jones had made a three? And also, let's not forget that a three-point shot is a, is a pretty low percentage shot. Exactly. So like, don't I'd rather take my chances with a three Take matters into your own hands and play defense and don't foul the shooter. Contest them, but don't foul them. Like, you think about that happened today. Remember... Um, Kansas Baylor last year in the game that was in uh, Waco, Kansas doesn't foul. Baylor misses the three, and Kansas wins the game. Right. It, 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 like every coach, a lot of coaches say, "Oh, we're going to foul up three, so we they don't hit a three on us." What's the worst that happens? They tie the game, you go to overtime. Right. You still get five more minutes, right? Right. And I guess the, I guess the the thought process is, oh, well, instead of making one three pointer, they now have to make three free throws, which. You could argue it's harder to do under pressure, but 
I, me personally, I'm going to let him shoot a lower percentage shot, especially if they're a good shooter. But you have to think about, like I said, if you foul, then they can think, okay, we can intentionally miss. And what if they hit a three and they get four points out of it? Right. Just, yeah. it's simple. Play defense, don't foul the shooter. They make a three, so be it. You go to overtime and you win there. Yeah, and Oklahoma State, I mean, or West Virginia, rather, um, it really it, it's really stinks the way that they lost because, I mean, their one player, he just held on to the ball for too long. He made the shot, but, but it he was did, way too late. But he did what I would have done in a normal situation. Right. Shot fake, the defender's coming at you. But in that situation, you, you got to get a shot off. Yes, and so what if you get hit on the hand, you get fouled? Yeah, then you go to the line. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I remember, and you know what that reminded me of? So there was a there was a game four years ago. West Virginia played Gonzaga in the Sweet 16, a really fantastic game. Gonzaga won by three. And West Virginia's Javon Carter, one of their all-time great recent players, they're down three, they have the ball. He's just dribbling beyond the three-point line, and he does not get a shot off. Yeah. He, he did not get a shot off in time. He had a J.R. Smith moment. To say the least. He had a J.R. Smith before J.R. Smith had his moment. That's an iconic moment. Oh, God. It's a bad moment. <laughs> a very bad moment. I, well, depending on who you root for. For a very polarizing player. Yeah, polarizing, to say the least. That doesn't even describe J.R. Smith, to be honest. I'm a Knicks fan telling you that. Yeah. Well, I think we've got just about covered everything at every level, so... We didn't hit, we didn't hit on the Cyclones. I'm kidding. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> Anywho. We're going to watch Oklahoma, Kansas. Well... I'm meeting with a professor in 30 minutes, and I've, that got, is to make, true. I've got to make dinner, so I've not done that you should yet. should have ordered Chicago Euros like I did. Yeah, I'm trying not to eat out. I've eaten out a lot in the last week. But anywho, that's all yeah. the time we got for tonight. That's everything we got covered. So thanks for joining us, everybody. Be sure to join us next week. We'll have lots to potentially uncover Don't there. Don't you want to say what we're doing tomorrow afternoon? We are calling the game tomorrow. Uh, that game is at 3 o'clock. Go make sure you go to bearcastmedia.com, and you can... Uh, Check us out on the live stream. You and Zach. Me and Zach will be calling the game. Alex will have the pregame. I always, I, I always get it out of order. Pregame, halftime. Pregame, halftime, postgame. I always say postgame after pregame. And but if we win tomorrow, you and I have the call for the entire the entirety on Saturday. Sunday, we don't know yet. But yeah, we have to we have to make sure we win first. So let's we got, do that. We, we got to survive in advance first. Oh, also Xavier did lose, so there's that. They did. I heard today that they are trying to schedule another game prior to Sunday. How the heck are they going to do that? I have no idea, to be honest. I have no That'd idea. Be miraculous if they did. Exactly. More, more power to them. I mean, they're not going to get into the tournament, even if they do win that game. But I don't think they will either. And no. After a first-round exit in your own conference, no way. Especially to Butler. And it's and not, the way that you lost, too. And it's not like that they were just upset. Like They were up Villanova. 16. Villanova lost today, but they're in. Yeah, they're in. Yeah. Xavier was on the bubble. They needed to win a, at least one game, and they choked. Choked hard. Yeah, so that's all we've got for you guys tonight. So be sure to make sure to join us next week. We don't know exactly what day we're going to do it. It kind of changes week by week. But uh, just keep an eye out, keep an ear out, and we'll be back. See you next week, folks.